0: Hi, and welcome to the Unlocking Customer Service Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Richmond. I'm here every week talking with guests who can help you realize the full potential of your contact center and customer service team to keep growing your business. Oh, and you can do all of that while still prioritizing your people. In fact, that's the secret to it all. Let's chat with our next guest. Today, we're talking to Cheryl Helm of Helm Communications on how to get the basics of customer service right. Uh, Cheryl, can you give us the background of your experience? Um, Basically, what happened is
1: many, many years ago, I actually started out with a vendor, one of the main telecommunications vendors in the world. And I just so happened, instead of doing everything related to back then, it was pretty much just voice. Um, I happened, the contact center environment was really starting to grow. And what was nice, it wasn't just the technologies weren't just available to big like big airliners and, you know, telcos. It was really becoming available to what we call SMB, the small and medium business market. And um, so all of a sudden they just got really busy just with contact center technology. So the joke was for a long time that Cheryl didn't realize the um, PBX, as we called it back then could actually make an outbound call because I was so inbound customer service focused. It was kind of a joke and I've just had the, Um, benefit, really, of being in this market for over 30 years now. And what's been fun is to see not only the technology changes, which are phenomenal, of course, but just the ability um, to better serve our customers if we choose to, number one, use those technologies better, but also, too, to be understand that it's not just about technology. It's about people and processes. And we've always said that, but I think it's even more important to say that now because, like I said, technology is just Amazing what we can do. It's more cost effective. You know, it's offered in the cloud. So customers can kind of test and try instead of, mm-hmm. you know, dealing out literally millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yet, we tend to think that technology is all the answer, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, to start off, what are the basics of good customer service? Well, for me, when I look at this with my clients, first of all, it, I'm not going to say it depends on the industry, but you do need to understand what your business is and who your customers are and also what your persona is. So what I mean by that, and this is important, um, we believe in many ways that we become very casual in our interactions with our clients, which is not true when I am dealing with law firms or doctor's offices or my insurance companies which tend to be more formal and conservative right which they are Mm -hmm. they have a different persona in the way in which they present themselves to their client there's a certain um, way they want their csrs to interact certain protocols and that Um, so the thing is is when we talk about customer service it's number one knowing our company and our culture and how we are supposed to communicate and interact with our client And that's very important. So that's important for me when I'm interfacing, when I went to another company, which was cosmetics and they were a lot of fun, their environment was very different. And it's how did we, how do we project our persona as this cosmetics company in our bricks and mortar store as we do online with our customer service? What was fun is um, we actually said to the contact center when I was working with them about bringing that persona that you have in your stores also into your contact center. So um, the thing is, is first understanding the service that you're giving, the way you are interacting with your clients based on your culture, um, and then ensuring that we meet those, those types of needs, but we also then meet our customer expectations, which I disagree when someone says we all expect to be Amazon, or we all expect to be, um, shoot, I'm just going to think, what was that big shoe company? Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's Apples, big shoe company. <laughs> so <Sorry, laughs> I don't mean to pick on Apple's, But you know, everyone's like, well, you have to have this type of customer service. And I'm going to disagree with that um, in the sense that when I interact with, let's say, my insurance company, um, no, I don't expect you to, um, let's say, answer in 30 seconds because I know that their customer service agents, depending on the level cost a lot more than let's say someone who is just overseas and is less than $5 an hour. Um, We're just, you know, it's this type of service. So what I mean by that is that I believe that most customers have certain expectations based on who they are interacting with. So when I contact my bank, or I contact my insurance company, I'm expecting within a reasonable amount of time when I have a query to meet a competent, effective individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I call about, and I hate to say it, my cable or my phone company, um, who we know have not been very good at customer service, my cellular Mm -hmm. provider, Um, You know what, I do have different levels of expectations. So I'm just saying that we do need to know our audience and our business and customers themselves also have different expectations depending on who they're contacting. However, our expectations for um, some type of service, either self-service or efficiency has gotten heightened. We expect more. I I think especially Mm -hmm. under COVID, our patience is very limited.
0: So really good service is not, there's not a baseline across the board we do know that
1: customers in general are becoming more adept and and do want to do more research online first or do self-service where they can great Mm -hmm. we want to offer that as effective effectively and as efficiently as possible Um, and then at the same time though is when I do need to reach a live Mm -hmm. agent um, let me meet reach someone who and this happened to me recently? I was actually doing a self-service. It happens to be my cellular provider chat session, right? Which with, with a bot. And I finally was so frustrated because it kept asking me stupid questions. And I'm like, just get me to a person. I have no patience right now. You've just wasted two minutes or three minutes of my time. You know, I kept saying CSR live body right now. And then it was funny because when I got to the live agent right in a chat session, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was web chat. And then it was just like that person did not receive any of the previous chat from the bot. So you have to start over. Oh, was I not a happy camper? Yeah. And I felt so bad because, you know, being in customer service and doing this, I felt bad for the CSR. It was not their fault. And I said that I said, do you not have what I just spent two minutes typing in? Can you not peruse this so I don't have to retype it? And he is like, he said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And I just said, you are a major corporation who I know. Well, you should have had that like that is nothing to pass on that extra little dialogue to that live person yeah so i'm sorry yeah that's what i'm getting about expectations it's like Mm -hmm. that is so simple and because i know who they are um, i expected that now if i would have done it to a smaller entity who i know is not as engaged yet in technology and maybe they're doing a really piecemeal type technology I might be more forgiving this company. I'm not. Now I might be a different customer because I've been evaluating contact centers for so long. Um, But I felt bad for the rep. I think we're Mm -hmm. oftentimes with the CSR, we are cheating them out of important information and tools that in this day and age, we're not in the nineties anymore. Like back in the nineties. Yeah. We couldn't hand things off from one channel to the next as well as we can today. Mm -hmm. And I expect you to do that now.
0: It's the idea, too, that see, it, we're so used to that now, too. When we contact a contact center and give them information, we just assume it's going to the next person. So sure. when it doesn't, like the expectations are again, like you said, we've gotten higher expectations. Yeah.
1: And it's a no brainer, like mm-hmm. passing that data off now, whether it's from the bot to the CSR or from one CSR to another or from one channel to another. Right. So let's Mm -hmm. say I opted to go to voice, which wasn't even an option. But I was I was really surprised because I expected more from them as an organization because they're not small. Um, I, I don't have the same expectations across the boards. And I think most customers don't. I mean, they do understand when they're going overseas and I hate to say this and end up with an agent that's less than three bucks an hour. Right. I mean, that's why we're shifting calls somewhere else. Those, mm-hmm. those people in general, unfortunately, are not paid as well as someone in North America or in Europe. And it is more cost effective. However, sometimes our service and oftentimes more than not, our service is suffering. Now, I'm not saying there aren't good contact center agents and companies overseas. That's not true. There are. But mm-hmm. you just offshore it just to make it cheap. Right. You will, there will be suffrage oftentimes in the quality and the um, experience for the customer. Not always, but I'd say from what I'm experiencing, a lot of my customers are rethinking that strategy and bringing certain contacts, not all, but certain contacts back, quote unquote, onshore or to Mm -hmm. a little bit higher, uh, more costly interaction. But in the end, I keep going back to is um, depending on how much that customer is worth to you. Okay, so I'm thinking insurance Um, Mm -hmm. that's you know, that can be a high dollar value customer versus maybe mobile mobility. It's not. They're realizing that it costs more, as we've always known, to acquire new customers than it is to um, keep what you have. So, again, it's learning to where do we know we have to ensure we're offering to, you know, a certain client type, better kid glove service because we know Mm -hmm. their
0: value. Yeah. And it's all about that investment, right? Whether we do invest in the people or the technology. Um, So what are, what are our risks here in this investment? It sounds like if you're not listening to your agents, if you're not listening to your customers, you could really put your money in the completely wrong place. Right.
1: And too often, and I'm going to be fair, I always say, and I do love all the vendors I work with, to be honest, I think they're most really pretty good, decent, you know, companies. Um, But oftentimes again, they're selling bells and whistles and Mm -hmm. my point is 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 in my experience especially lately we do have to look at better self-service and technology oftentimes though we go back to that triangle you know people processes technology i mean this has been forever our triangle right and literally it's a triangle because all three are important but as vendors, they're there to sell boxes, and they're there to sell technology or licenses. So oftentimes, we're focusing. We're—it's like the little squirrel from what movie was that? Ice Age, you know, chasing. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's this next little thing. You know, here's this next little thing, and it's like we're mm-hmm. forgetting some of our basics, um and that could be education of our employees what motivates them how do i retain my good employees how do Mm -hmm. i make sure because a a contact center rep depending on what you're doing again insurance agents i'm just using that as an example because they are highly trained they usually again um they're getting commissions whatever so they're more highly paid however that being said we still have to understand how long do i expect a csr to be in that position reasonably in Mm -hmm. a lot of organizations they see bringing their CSR in at a certain level, and then hopefully engaging them and moving them somewhere else within the organization. So you don't lose all that education and training. The point is, though, when I work with the contact center, I always say, you know, how long does it does it take us to educate and train that individual and get them up to speed? Insurance tends to be longer. So what tools can we provide to them to shorten some of that? whether it's through better education, better techniques, better um, screen pops, knowledge bases, whatever. We try and facilitate so that education and training might not be nine months because if we can provide some of the tools and technologies, it can shorten that ramp up time. As I say, we're not making dumb people, but we're just providing technology that will better enable them to handle that query when it comes to them as a person, just like handing off the data so that poor person could say, can you wait a minute, Cheryl, as I read what you did, right? Because we know hand yes. the conversation off so they can quickly peruse it, you know, refer to it. Yeah. So I'm kind of blabbing on a little bit about there, but I just think that we undervalue oftentimes in a contact center our people. And I think it's it's shown more so in the transition to COVID. Now, this is going to sound (laughs) interesting, but one of the things about transitioning to, let's say, a work from home environment was managers and upper corporate people always worried about, well, how do I know the person is being productive at home? Right. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh because I'm like, hey, I don't have to worry about that contact center because we measure literally everything. Right? Yep, yep. Yeah. So the point is, is whether they're working at home or in the office, I know what they're doing. I always have known what they're doing. I have all these productivity metrics, adherence to schedule, things like that. Now there are some security and all that, making sure there's a good environment to answer that contact. But my point is, is my contact center agents have always been the perfect people to do a work from home because we already know what they're doing. But what we forgot, and I'm going to say this, is we didn't, this is a discussion actually, I had with some of my um, other consultants I worked with yesterday was, in the contact center and in most of the good ones that I work with, they really talked about the tools that we give our agents. So for example, as you and I talk, you know, I've got my two screens, right? My big because and again with my eyesight, but you know, my two big screens, because we usually have so many things open and to be fair, Poor contact center agents. I've been where they have 15 different apps open. That's not good for them, but you know, they do. So they in the office, they had two huge screens. They had ergonomically correct chairs. You know, they had good workspaces. I mean, most good contact centers were providing good environments for their CSRs. Um, Mm -hmm. They threw them at home and then they forgot. Oh my gosh, I didn't have a good headset. Oh my gosh! What happened to that ergonomically correct keyboard? Oh, you mean you just laptop home? No second screen, and you expected their productivity to be the same? Are you (laughs) kidding me? Right? And 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 then the lack of supporting their reps from an IT perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, and and again, what I'm saying, I have to laugh just a bit as I ramble on here is, you know, the first month or two. I kind of forgave a few of my contact centers because we know it was a little, you know, and it was all of a sudden everyone's working from home. Mm -hmm. What I was surprised about is they didn't prioritize their contact center people over everyone else in the organization because yeah. that's who our customers were trying to contact so our i.t our all our resources should have gone to our contact center at reps to make sure we could emulate as best we could from their home that same working environment so they could try and be as productive as they were in the office
0: mm-hmm. we actually have had uh, a couple of other podcast guests talk about too what what COVID did for contact centers. And again, you have to recognize your investment in the people and their setup, which may actually end up being cheaper in the long run because you get people who are more flexible. Um, you get better coverage on your times because people have, if you're at home, you don't have a commute. Like it seems like it's, it's been a positive change for enabling more people to work and be happier in the work they do.
1: Well, and that's one thing I always talked about years ago. I mean, we've had the capability to work from home for, oh gosh, forever, right? And Mm -hmm. I kept saying, back even before we got thrown all work from home, I kept saying, guys, the contact center is the perfect place to test this out, right? And I said, what's even better is, let's say, you know, um, you and I wake up one day and we're not feeling that well. Well, the thing is, if you do have to commute an hour into Toronto, that's where I'm at or some of my reps 45 minutes, and then, you you know, have to do all this stuff. It's like, ugh, you know, usually you just call in sick, right? Mm-hmm. Well, think of it. If you're doing a work from home environment, you could say, okay, you could contact your supervisor and say, look, I'm not feeling the great, but I think I can log in for a few hours and test it out. I mean, think of it. If I could do that. Right? Even though I might not be feeling exactly well, and this could come into a lot of other areas, but I'm just saying is, oftentimes I'm feeling well enough to get on my phone, you know, put my put my sweatpants on, get up there, and do <laughs> during that peak when it's kind of not so good, handle a few, and then say, hey supervisor, I'm going to now go log off for a couple hours, rest if you can, right, and then maybe come back and help out at the peak. Where you're not going to do that when you have to commute in. Mm-hmm. be in an office. And let's say you're not feeling 100%. Well, we don't recommend you go in anyhow, because if you do have something, you're spreading it. Now with COVID, we know.
0: Not now we know. Yeah.
1: We know, don't <laughs> come in when you're not feeling well. I mean, as if that wasn't something we should have been doing before. Duh.
0: Yeah, that was but, a lesson, huh? <laughs> but the
1: key thing is, is the technology has been there. And it's enabling that flexibility. And I think. When I went back to it, because I always said work from home was a privilege, I did say that because, we know, some people are just not meant to be necessarily as productive from home as they are in the office. It just depends on your persona and everything.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's, it goes back to the people and processes again, right? Where we talk about it, it, talk about it with them. What works? You know, if we've got an, an agent who's very, very good at their job, but needs more flexibility, it makes more sense to flex for them than to try to find another one, right? Right, and, and think of it this way. Um,
1: as our labor pool, we struggled a lot in our contact center environment. And I kept saying, you know those people that decide they don't wanna be full time or maybe they only wanna work during the summer or during peaks, there are people that are retiring that we could literally latch onto that still would love to do it a few hours a day or a few months out of the day. So think of it this way, my retail clients, normally they have 90 um, FTEs, from uh, January till about August. When September hits, they literally jump to 400. So they work with an outsourced partner, but that's quite a jump, right? So Mm -hmm. we started talking about, you know when your busy season is going to be, why not reach out to some of those people that have transitioned to maybe a different lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. they still wouldn't mind that extra, and it doesn't matter where they are. They could be in Mexico now on their holidays, you know? the technology allows us literally to work from anywhere and you can tap into a resources that we haven't thought about.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, so that's a way that you can, your investment creates a better experience for everybody, because if yes. you invest in the technologies to let people work anywhere, then it's improvements all across the board.
1: And and like you said, it's investing in your people too. It's being, um, what we've always said is Be cognizant of what your employees require. Employee engagement is a big thing. And I know with um, Sharpen, you've actually gone through and shown all those metrics of employee engagement, you know, employee satisfaction to the customer experience. There is a relationship. If I like the organization that I'm working with and the people that I'm working with, even if I'm remote, if I'm engaged in some way with that group, I actually produce better results because I'm just overall happy with what I'm doing.
0: So it sounds like like of all the all the investments you could make, getting this remote technology or keep making your agents flexible, being able to work from anywhere. Is is that would you say that's one of the best uh, investments a company could make?
1: I think it is. I think it's it, having not only the technology, but making sure you've you've supported that process. Right. So, again, we do talk about. Um, I could work from anywhere. The thing is though as a contact center rep, I'm usually going to be on contact after contact for quite a, you know, few hours of my shift and making sure that that employee has ergonomically correct chairs. This is where we get into a lot of how am I going to supply that? How am I gonna make sure that I supply him or her with the correct headset that works for them? Or if something breaks, how quickly do we enable that? So uh, again, those are things that as an organization, we just have to start thinking, well, not have to, we need to think about it, have it in place. And so we can make sure we can have our employees be fully functional. And also when it comes to IT, I mean, yeah, a lot of us are learning about our routers. I didn't want to learn about my router either. I'm great on lots of other applications, but, you know, I really don't like dealing with my router and all this stuff. But, I mean, just saying things like that is, is we, have, we expected a lot from them when we literally threw them at home. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a lot of lessons learned. I know you've had other individuals you've talked to. Um, So getting back to metrics, it's are we constantly measuring our employee engagement and our employee satisfaction and not the standard HR form that you give to everyone else? I, I just sorry, I hate that. I always encourage my contact centers to at least quarterly be doing a contact center specific employee engagement survey. Because we really most tenure of agents and you might be hearing different things, but it depends on the industry. But, you know, two, three years, that's kind of the average longevity Mm -hmm. right before they're moving on to something else. And I know that's insurance tends to be longer. However, that being said, we have we are not doing a good job when we're only asking once a year. And we're asking questions that the contact center is like. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't even apply to our job. So I encourage, yes, we have to do what HR wants. However, I encourage my contact centers to really have a good, you know, 10 question and not just A, B, C or one, two, three, where they can answer, but then they can also add a little, you know, encourage them to add a perspective, um, a couple mm-hmm. sentences or something. So we are really getting some feedback because oftentimes we fail our employees and we don't know why. And that mm-hmm. exit interview is too late, right? Too late, been there, done that, you know? No, be polling as we're going through and seeing how we can improve and 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 really listening to our employees, just like we listen to our customers or should be. But it's the same thing is listening to our employees, um, ma- measuring that and then mm-hmm. also knowing the cost of attrition and knowing those costs. So when we talk about metrics, it's not just about cost per contact, but it's the cost of attrition, both mm-hmm. in. Inter- an external.
0: And that that has, has been a, a recurring theme, too, in a lot of our conversations, is the agents have valuable information that needs to get up through the ranks. So, again, like, say that the agent, for example, the one you spoke to on the chat, like, if they could take five minutes, if they're allowed, you know, empowered to tell their manager, hey, this, I didn't have this information, because how will they ever know, right? So, it's, the, you know, opening those channels.
1: Yeah, it is. And it goes back to years ago. I, I use this story a lot, but it's so prevalent. I had to call into um, uh, Canada's immigration. I'm only a landed immigrant here. So I had a question. It's like a green card in the US. So I had a question about the form I was filling out to redo something. And you know, they answer, when I called into you know, Canada immigration, I mean, they ask a lot, answer a lot of questions, right? It's really broad what they have mm-hmm. to do. And I started saying, I'm on this form. And she said, yes. And I said, here's the question without, and this form was like 20, 30 pages long. And she said, oh yeah, I know what you're asking. This is what it means. She articulated it so well. And I said, how many times have you been asked this question? And it's a form, right? It's an online form. And she goes, a lot. I said, the way you answered that and articulated it was so well done. Can you not say something to your management to fix the wording on a form? And you know what she said, I've tried. And that's what's sad is I could hear in her voice she answers this same question so often and it's simply wording on a form and the way she explained it and I know you know because I know I'm better at explaining verbally than writing so that's why I have a good editor and she and I work together when I'm writing things. But my point is, is I could feel this woman was very good at what she'd done. She'd been a contact center rep. And again, when you're government, you get paid better. They did. But the point is, I could see she was exasperated too, answering questions that if they just make better forms, that would reduce those questions coming into her. Mm-hmm. So there's that, like you said, is how are we missing that as an organization, mm-hmm. right? And I said, oh, I hope someone records this and actually hears it. I feel bad for the CSRs that do try and raise those questions and it's like it gets somewhere in a vacuum.
0: And, and it comes back around to if if your contact center agents don't have the information and they either, you lose a customer or they tell somebody how frustrated they got and that's, you know, it's, it's it, the piece of information could have solved a lot of problems.
1: Right, oh, definitely.
0: An example I had,
1: um, and again, I, I kind of think I'm an intelligent customer, but I guess I wasn't this one time. Um, I, my furnace had gone out and actually the contact center I had to call was one of my customers and it it's in the middle of winter. So when your furnace goes out in Ontario and it's a pretty cold, you know, and he said, okay, it's yeah. as you know, we will be there before 5.00 AM. And I'm just thinking, okay, do I turn the fireplace on? Cause it was kind of a cold night and I have a young daughter and my mom and everything. So, it was 5 a.m. and no, it was, sorry, he was supposed to have been there before 1 a.m. It's now 3 a.m. I woke up and I was sleeping out on the couch so I could let him in without waking everyone else up. And I thought, it's 3 a.m., no one's No one's here yet. So I called back into the contact center to just get an ETA. Now here again, in today's day and age, proactively reaching out to your customer through their channel of choice is really what we wanna do, right? Mm-hmm. So. Again, that the person that's supposed to be here, whatever, probably has eight calls and they're trying to predict, you know, when he or she will be here to fix my furnace, yep.
0: proactively
1: contacting me through my channel of choice to let me know, hey Cheryl, we're not there in the time frame. We're gonna be here approximately this time. This is the person that will be coming because now it's that customer. So since they didn't do that, what I did is of course I called in. Mm-hmm. And the the question was, and this is where we have to be careful, even how we articulate or ask questions. They said, if you are a customer with a previous work order, press one. Well, I had no work order. I had no number, and I literally didn't. All I had was, mm-hmm. there will be a X service rep out here between here and here. So I went in the regular queue and waited forty five minutes to be answered by CSR that said to me, well, you're a previous work order, you should have pressed one. Okay, so first of all, so you said that then she had to transfer me and I got answered immediately. But again, it's the wording. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a work order number. I really didn't. So when I hear previous work order, I chose the wrong selection and I ended up in the Mm -hmm. bin as if I'm a net new customer in Mm queue. So it's, it's, those are things that, and actually I communicated that to them later. I said, you know, it's, you're putting words or verbiage that is not familiar to the clients. And I deliberately mm-hmm. didn't have a work order number. Now it sounds yeah. silly, but was I a happy camper? No, but there are two things that would have helped a better question that's asked through the IVR. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, proactively reaching out is the key. So. Mm-hmm. It goes back to um, Call Center 101, one of my mentors, when I was first learning about the operation side of it. Because remember, I come from technology, right? That's my bent, it is, and I love good technology. But the question was posed to me when we were, I was learning more on the operation side was, we always talk about quality. So when we think about quality, we always think about scoring the CSR's interaction with the customer, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the question that really needs to be asked that has nothing to do with the CSR, but everything to do the business is. The CSR could handle that with 100% quality score. I Just do everything bang up. However, if that contact wasn't necessary in the first place, the contact center fails or the company Mm -hmm. fails. So when I had to call in, that's a failure for the company, not the CSR. Mm -hmm. He or she might have handled that interaction well. So if we as an organization need to think about how do we proactively reach out when we've screwed up, right, to let our customers know or mm-hmm. even proactively reach out to them, not to sell them something necessarily, which is what we're always doing in sales and marketing, but from this yeah. perspective. And I think that's been, especially with COVID and that we know a lot of things are being delayed, right? Whatever it is. And it's that proactive reaching out and saying, this is what we believe is going to happen. We can't guarantee within 100%, um, but I'm gonna do, do one more example. It's a company, customer a few years ago, happened to be government, and they were really behind in their claims processing. Very behind. Now, some brilliant person decided, to just not say how far behind they were from an optics perspective. And I'm like, if you know, it's going to be 30 days and not two yeah, on average, why aren't you at least attempting? And it was like, well, we can't guarantee. Well, excuse me, you're going to have someone contacting you every day. So I think again, companies fail oftentimes because they're not being, I hate the word transparent, but they're just they're not necessarily trying to hide things, but sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, it's so bad, right? Let's not it, even pretend it's there. yeah, yes.
0: It's that channel of communication. Once again, just like if you have the information. Why aren't you sharing it, right?
1: Right. And what's worse is the CSRs could see what was going on, but they were told they couldn't say anything.
0: And they're frustrated themselves
1: Mm -hmm. and that they were getting burned out. So Mm -hmm. there's where oftentimes companies, I think, make some poor decisions. And honesty, I think, is the best policy under most circumstances.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, today we've talked a lot about investments and this seems like another place you could invest uh, in your people, your time, your processes, but what would be the biggest piece of advice you have for leaders who are thinking about investing in customer service improvements this year? Ah, I
1: think what we need to do is step back and breathe and it sounds weird, but just breathe for a minute. I think we're finally in a little bit of breathing room. And then what I do is um, when I'm working with my clients, from a metric standpoint or an improvement, I like using kind of this balanced scorecard approach. Um, it's something I do in metrics too, but it's just the idea that we have to look at our organization, our context, center. let's be specific from different perspectives. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, are we being efficient and effective? That's like one of the pillars. And that can be mm-hmm. evaluated many different ways, depending on where I'm evaluating the contact center a contact center leader, the workforce management leader, the quality leader, or the CSR, right? We talk about different metrics for those individuals or those groups from an efficiency metrics or productivity. Um, Then we financial, how are we contributing positively to the financial bottom line of our organization? If I'm in the makeup company, right? Have I been able to sell more product, right? So from Mm -hmm. workforce, am I, you know, a metric for workforce, am I accurately forecasting What's coming down the pipeline now? Granted, is we're still in a little flux. Like, what's next? You're going to look like so mm-hmm. with my forecasters. I keep saying, don't throw your metrics out the door, but kind of have three different plans so you can, as the word is, pivot. You know, but be prepared for potentially two or three that you think is going to happen, and working with other parts of the organization to accurately predict as best you can the future. I, I think we're we're trying to predict a lot of things that just are out of our control right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing when I look at overall metrics and performance and where to go at, I look at internal um, innovation and internal processes, just like we've talked about. Mm -hmm. How do we create this hybrid environment? How do we work with HR? How do we, you know, do our employees want to come back? If we do, you know, how do they feel they want to be protected? Um, There's this big thing about, you know, not really having a desk anymore. Well, it's amazing how many people like that space that's theirs. So this adjusting to going back, and you're just kind of anywhere. I mean, it's interesting. You have different perspectives on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so it's kind of about you know looking at internal processes and innovation asking people and being more aware. And then the last one is of course looking at our customer customers and what are their metrics. What are their what's important to them? And that really does depend on what business that you're in. And you know there will always be the standards, you know, of what customers expect, you know hopefully an an efficient way of getting the information that I need in any shape or form, any channel that I want to. If I cross channels, please make sure that person that gets this, if it's a live body, Mm -hmm. gets all the history with it. We're at that point where that's a no brainer. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the screen pops, come on, we're well beyond that or should be, but it's amazing how still we can't produce a lot of that. Um, And then understanding where customers are at. Um, Our patience level, I was much more patient the first six months of COVID, and now we can't use the excuse anymore. We really need to say, how do we fix this so our employee has good tools and technologies to work from the appropriate environment for them? And I, I'll just kind of end on that note, there was a really good client that I worked with down in Arkansas, and like everyone, everyone went from home and they just redone their contact center. Literally three months later, COVID hits, and now with all the changes, They're going to have to revamp and they are that whole space because of social distancing and room temperature and it was quite a technology enabled environment so I know they're revamping it and revisiting it. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's the idea too is that the the advice you would give to management is to be uh, flexible and understand that this is we have to live in this continually changing environment.
1: Yeah. Lessons learned through this is patience. I think we've said that in in multiple Mm -hmm. voices, patience, understanding that I think most of us did the best job we could under the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge our failures. Boy, we really screwed up on that. I mean, you know, it's owning up to it and just and that's what's fun is to see management own up when they make a mistake instead of trying to cover it up. Just go, you know, that was we thought it was a good idea and it really wasn't and Mm we learned an important lesson that we like again someone could have suggested someone they blew it off and in the end that was the come back and say yeah well Meg really had a great idea and we didn't really listen very well so let's not have a group think type environment let's let's be actively thinking about our customers and our contacts and how do we efficiently effectively handle that and then the same with our employees How do we ensure that we create an environment for them, regardless of where they're working, that they can feel engaged and productive? Good. Well,
0: thanks. It was really good to dialogue with you. It was fun. Thanks. You too. Bye. That's a wrap on today's episode of Unlocking Customer Service. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play to get notifications when new episodes drop each week or head to sharpencx.com slash podcast to catch up on all the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we can reach more people like you.